live on our extra podcast episode 300 here. We have Andy. It's good to be here with yeah. you. We have Greg. Hello. Yeah. We have Jeff. Hello. Nothing. And Paul. Hey, everybody. So episode 300, as you can tell, we're down in our studio where we regularly record this, but we've had some fantastic regular listeners provide us with some wonderful snacks. So if you come over here, you can see that there's a basket full of chocolate bars and goodies that have been provided. And over here, what are you eating there? There's some cookies, but as you can see, there's a those? KFC bag and there's some tin foil over those here. Those are chocolate in it. Is this? Oh, you stupid, are, wicked people! Let me people. help you with this. Ooh, Andy's gonna Ooh, help you. coconut. These now. are double down. Yeah, they're delicious. Oh my god! <laughs> this is the. Is the sound for the live just going you know, through I've that phone or through this? Oh my goodness! All right. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh. My connection's dropping out down here. I've never seen a double down before. Well, it's this, too okay. breaded. You're not going to see him for long. Oh, we're back. We're With back cheese high. in between. All right, let's so eat them. Is there ham in like between said, two? We're down in the bacon? Bacon? North There's East, bacon. So this connection might jump in and out, but thanks for those of you that are sticking it around with us. Look at these double downs. This is How much chicken, do you guys think those are? Chicken. Double downs? This is $13 for one. Can we eat them now? A listener brought it to us. Quit your paws off of those, Stiger. You can eat those. Why can't we eat those now? Yeah, you can have them. I don't want to pass those out. We're just going to thank God for the double down. Lord, would you keep this from affecting us the way we think it will? Yes, please. Protect our arteries. Enjoy, boys. From this, oh, I will enjoy. Oh my gosh, I'm here mostly for the double. There's down. some. Oh, there's a hair on that one. Oh, <laughs> is there really? No, there's not hair. It's just cheese. Oh, oh, man. What is this? Cheese hair. Oh, I don't know about this. Okay. Oh, mm. um, that's truly amazing. KFC came up with something great. Do you guys actually like the double down? You know what? Beer. It's not bad. It's not horrible. It, no, it's just. It's you just are, two pieces of bread and okay, chicken. That's the worst thing you in guys the world. Are one Stuck in. together by cheese. You guys no, talk to me in not. 25 minutes. Isn't there bacon in it, too? I don't no. see any. There's just I cheese know, in I here. I have reached no bacon. Jeff, is this your favorite meal now? No. Is it close? A little salty. <laughs> <laughs> you think? But, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm going to need lots of water after this. The sodium count is through the roof. Yep. Okay. Don't listen. This is not something you look at and say, oh, oh what is it? what's in it? There's a little bit of spice in it. Mmm. Yeah, it's a little spicy. It's parmesan. And the cheese is nice. Man. I feel like this has turned in more into a commercial for the Double Down. Just say, KFC. They have something here. Well, well. There's no Chick-fil-A. Does Chick-fil-A do a Double Down? Why does Chick-fil-A have to show up in everything for us? I, I was there yeah. last week. Is it week? like a requirement for Christians? I was there, I got it. I was I there for the honest. first time no. last week. Did you guys you know that? A little more in there, but it's pretty good. It is pretty sparse. Like it's just yeah. a little bit of Chick Fil A. Is the I don't best think I can do any more of that. Fast food. Place. I think that they could have put a little bacon or something in there. They could have. Does somebody want Might the rest of it? A little bit. But want to try it? Mm-mm. Thanks. This is my very first double down. Yeah. yeah. Brian, you can have that. Yeah. See, I would like to put this down, but I can't. I physically cannot because I, I think I have to finish this. Yeah. Can you put it doubly down? <laughs> See what you did there. That was good. Yeah, yeah. That was well done. Paul gave you a really dirty look. I think the aspartame in this mixed with the double down might kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear the latest study that links aspartame Mm. to dementia? Huh? What? (laughs) What'd you say, Paul? Good response. 
What? Did it really? Already. Yeah. yeah, good. Wow. It was like University of Toronto or something like that. Oh, whatever. Like, something. we can trust them. Yeah, I know. That was definitely can't something. Can't trust anything from Toronto. I just want to wanna thank whoever brought that. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Are we thankful good the for you? Are out of the playoffs? Thank you very much Apparently. to our faithful listeners who blessed us with this food. It was quite good. I think it's also important to let the listeners know that I'm currently drinking beer on the podcast. Yep. Root. It's interesting that root you bring beer. It's inter- interesting that you bring beer up, Andy, because on episode 200, as I was doing some research today, Attaboy. you mentioned beer as well. I did. Yes, you did. Whoa. Mr. Bruce Beer. I don't know if it was Bruce Beer, but it uh, you mentioned beer. Why are you so addicted to of, talking about beer on know. on annual whatever you call it the can I, 100th episodes? Can I ask a question about Andy's mug? Yep. Why do you have a mug for something you haven't even done yet? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing this up, the little product placement here. Um, For those of you who can't see this, it's the Human Project, and it's in work, Greg. So who else has a mug of something in work? I have I have things in work, but don't not, you have a no mug, mug of no mugs getting a them. master's degree? I have Greg? a mug that says Masters of Divinity. <laughs> wow! And I drink out of it so that everyone knows that I don't have this yet. Do you actually have a mug that says that? No, but oh now my, I feel cool. like I should. You should get one. Yeah, you should have Human Project dot 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 in progress. Well, I have a mug. Yeah. I have a PhD mug as well. Do you? <laughs> no, sure you do. Okay. <laughs> well. Uh, we are going to say goodbye to our Facebook Live audience. It's been a pleasure having you with us. Good, good camera can, engagement, John. You can continue John. with us as when we post this episode on our website. But just to keep you guys you a little thing. bit hooked in, after we go it's off live, awful. we're going to play this no. this game. That's no, awful. And it's going to be. I tend to quite just want the one. Though, so, so you know. thanks for joining us. Tune in for more later. Oh, so it here's live. it You're, was live, not now. It's not. But are we still recording the, ep- the episode? Oh, we're still recording now. We can We can cut stuff. That's all right. It's not a big deal. Okay. But uh, we're gonna play this game now, and this is a game that Brian brought in for us. It's uh, musical chairs, except instead of falling off a chair, if you're the last one standing, you push a button when the music stops, and if you are the last one, you get a rather decent buzz. What, why am I standing up, though? Andy's, you're not. You're not. You don't have to stand up. Andy's, get, Andy's getting a good buzz from his root beer over there. Are these so I'm going to turn rolling? this on. Yes, they are. Do you get it? Yeah, it's right. a root beer joke. I got the buzz beer. All right. Beer. I, think, I think we're ready. almost ready to go. That thing is salty. We're going we're gonna to play it at level two. Oh, my goodness. You why can are we doing level two? You can do stagger shock levels. Yeah, you can, you can Bring it to stagger. Stagger, here, here you go. Stagger, I'll play this round. I'll play this round. Okay, Greg's going to play. Greg's going to have to step out at some point, but Greg's going to play for a I bit. Think, I yep. think the listeners just need Why to understand that currently I am holding a metal rod-looking thing in my hand. Yep. We all are. Yep. If you're not watching this, this is what we are doing. We are playing a game where you've got these boomerang-looking plastic handles, and on them there's a button, and the music is going to play. And then when the music stops, they're all going to press their button, and the last one to push their button is going to get a shock in their hand. And right now we're currently at two. We're playing level at two, shock. level two out of four. So I don't know if we should do this right after all these guys ate the double downs. Yeah. Hey, I feel like the double <clears throat> down plus the aspartame plus this is going to equal heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll hey, be entertainment for our listeners. Pass me some of that Reese mix. All right, uh, you a oh, fan of the Reese mix? Do you like the Reese mix? Yeah. Sure, anything he does, with he does like the Reese mix. 
Okay. I can't speak. All right, so I'm going to push the center button, which starts the game. They're going to need to pay close attention. Oh, the attention. music comes on there? The music comes on there. All right. So you it's should just be like able to hear it in music. It is computerized music. Right. I'm not even sure I know no, what I'm supposed to do. There's a live symphony in there. And when it we stops? are playing. When it stops, push the button. I'm actually a little scared. <laughs> you should be. That's scary music. <laughs> it's great. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of nervous. Oh, I Who might, got it? Who got I, it? I did it too soon, apparently. No, you, you, got it. If you got shocked, you got it. I don't think anyone yeah, got but shocked. But it didn't stop. Did you get shocked? I think I hit it before the music uh, stopped. So I think that was the this deal. This is ridiculous. Well, did anyone get well, shocked? No. no. I did. Okay, well, oh. yeah, so well, <coughs> nobody get, got shocked. You did so, get shocked. Yes. So why are you that turning means you it lost, well, well, Nobody got shocked, so no, clearly Paul, it's not strong Paul enough. Paul got shocked. Hold on. Did the music stop, Yes. Yes, it did. It did? Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to- Paul, you got shocked, correct? Yes. Then you lost. Yeah. So we're gonna and try this. You. We're gonna try this again. <laughs> Here we go. One more time. <laughs> we're all carefully watching the yep. little red light. Yep. And when it turns green, this music disturbs me. And then we're looking. Oh, oh, oh! Oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy lost. Andy lost. Ooh, a three is pretty. Three is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty substantial. Yep. That's good times. That's that's oh, some good times. My palms are sweaty. We gotta go to four. Okay, we're going. No, no, other way. There you go. There you go. All right, guys. Yeah, we'll highest one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do last one more round, round at uh, at four. Okay. Here it is. All right. Jeff has started the game. We've got music playing in the background. Come on. You guys know my thumbs are a lot of mass to move. <laughs> it's all right, dude. I'm at a disadvantage. It's all right. You got this. Oh, I'm actually quite oh, nervous. Are we? We're still not there. Still playing. <laughs> so Greg, Greg lost. Greg, Greg lost. took it. Greg lost. All right. Well, that was fun. That was a good time. This is I uh, go teach intern. This is so, a fantastic. So it reminds me of Ghostbusters. We want we want to thank Greg for for coming by today. Greg has to step out. He's got a class of interns that he's got to teach, but. He wanted to say hi for our 300th episode. He's been here a long time and I, doing this for a while. So I also mostly want to see the double downs happen. Greg, thank you for your input on our uh, on our 300 episodes of the podcast. Thanks, guys. I'm not sure what else to say. Do you that's, actually mean that? That's enough. Greg, you were here. Yes, you were. For, ma- for many of the podcasts, <laughs> you were here. So, so Greg's going Greg's to yeah. step out, I'm and fine, we're going to continue this podcast. So we're at episode 300. You guys have been doing this for a lot longer than I have. I've been here for like six weeks. Um, so I just want to get some feedback. What are what are some of your favorite memories or topics or things that have happened on the podcast, aside from the double downs? Because I'm pretty sure that's a top memory that's going to stick out for people. Hmm. I can't question? say any of them have been tremendously memorable. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a high vote of confidence like... from Paul. <laughs> Well, first of all, do you remember a particular episode? I just have appreciated over the years the people who brought us food, snacks, yes. and candy. And today, one of I'll our listeners has listened, listened very carefully to the podcast, apparently, because they knew that I love Now and Laters. And there they brought go. two of them. And I got to tell you, when I saw that, I was pretty excited. Yes. I just want to thank that listener. Thank you for yes. the Now and Laters. Yeah. I'm eating Reese Mix. Yeah. Good work. Yeah, Jeff's got a mouthful. Listener. Which is... My first experience with the Reese Mix. How's the Reese Mix? Pretty good. <laughs> Clearly. It's great. It's uh, sweet and salty, so. Hey, there you go. I want to thank you for the listeners for for leaving that here. And oh, also, we have some The glass coconut. bottled soda is yes. a wonderful touch. Yes. Glass bottled Sprites and Coke Zeros. Mm-hmm. We have amazing. we have some, uh, some coconut filled chocolates from Purdy's, which are off the hook. Yep. 
Wow, this is we this just want to thank you, the listeners. Yeah, clearly there are six of them, so <laughs> yes, that's good. But awesome, best best podcast though I think is when Jeff and Ezra raced. It was an epic race. It was a highlight. It was a highlight for me. I don't. I think I missed that one. Okay. Um, you weren't here. I, I mean, I didn't listen to it. <clears throat> yeah, you know, things happened before six weeks ago. Hey, well, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> We haven't been doing them like every hour of every How day. How long ago was that race? Was that before number 200? Did you hear about the race? No. Oh, the race was epic. Ezzy and Jeff squared off, and uh, they were racing around the parking lot, and then uh, Jeff tripped, fell. Like running race? Scraped up his face. Yep. Did he? I did. did <laughs> wow. I did. Not so nimble on There the is feet. a lot of question, though, about that episode. There are a lot of people who question the validity of the race yep. itself. Certainly question... Ezra's ability to run. Who, That's who, usually who the question that I get. That's what I want to know. Who won that race? <laughs> running won that race. Oh, okay. Running was the winner of the day. Ezra is in Africa right now. We should we yes, want to uh, be thinking about Ezra for yes, his contribution to the 300 episodes we've had. Absolutely. He is there with his family, and by that I mean his father, mother, and brothers. So he's visiting them and uh, spending a little bit of time there. He'll so be he's back in, in Kenya. A few weeks. He's in Kenya. Yes. Yeah. He gets back in a couple of weeks. Anyway, so, yeah, this has been fun. Thank you for the uh, for for listening. We really mean it. We're yeah. going to continue a podcast, but we want to thank you for listening. Uh, Absolutely, really, uh, we enjoy doing it. We enjoy talking about stuff. Um, we get people who tell us to stop bantering, and mm-hmm. other people who say please banter more. So, well, this might be one of those episodes where there's we, a little bit more banter. We uh, we have equally alienated everybody. <laughs> hey, you know what? You can't please everybody. That's what we try to do. So we set the bar low and try to please nobody. And we're, we've achieved that. Yes. Achieved that. Yes, we have. Good. Anyway. That's great. Well, thank you for listening. Um, Jeff, you were preaching this last weekend, and Paul, you were preaching in mission. Mm-hmm. Prodigal Son. It's a fairly well-known story. So you bet. is there anything you guys didn't say that you'd like to say now sure. that you've got the audience sure. for? You go first. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, you know, the the I mean, it should be... Con- Continually noted that this is a, a story about uh, two sons. So I, I mean, that's what I titled the sermon was uh, a story of two sons, which is what it starts with. I'm actually a little bit surprised that so many people, me included, uh, have preached this or taught it by stopping before the second son, before you get to the second son, mm. um, because the first line of it is there was a father with two sons. <laughs> So he's indicating, obviously, what his intent is there. And it, yeah. certainly it falls in line with the the things that have preceded, the different stories about lost things being found. Yeah. So, I, you know, I just, it's important to remember that, you know, the, the, the second son is not uh, ancillary or secondary to, do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, to the intent of the author. It's actually very central to what's going on there. You know, one of the things that I didn't get into that I really would have enjoyed <clears throat> to talk about a bit more is um, the picture of repentance that it takes place in this passage, which um, I think I've, I've heard people teach this before. I've even read this last week. I read quite a few online kind of blogs or people reflecting on it and just talking about how the father's love comes with no conditions. The father's love is, is uh, spurred on by nothing that the son does. I, you know, that's not actually true. And, and the, the father welcomes the son and welcomes him home, but the son comes home, 
right? Uh, so there is a the father's not out and seeking after the sun. Mm-hmm. There's, well, there's well, he was. That precedes the he's watching the horizon, running to the sun. Yeah, he sees him when he's far in a distance. But, oh, and then he runs out. To but him. I think a major portion of the story is the fact that this son gets the 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 younger son gets to his wits end. He comes to a place where he understands his own destitution. And he makes a decision that he's going to repent. And it is a wonderful picture of repentance. He says, you know, I'm, he's going to go have a speech to the father. I've sinned against heaven and against you. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy of being called your son. Like mm-hmm. I forfeited every right standing. The reason that the story is so dramatic and amazing is that that repentance and, and it is met with such grace and kindness mm-hmm. to say, no, 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 you're still a son. Right. And let me restore you to the right place. So the, so the principle in the passage is that those who are repentant are, are God welcomes home at every turn, always. But repentance is a condition for, for that. And so, you know, I, I, I don't like the way that sometimes the story is told and taken a bit out of its context or made to say things that it, you know, that the son's condition is not. Uh, do you understand? Sorry. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that repentance, as you're talking about, Jeff, is a, a word that means to turn away. So the son is clearly making a decision to turn away from the lifestyle that he's chosen and to go back to his father. And now... And what what the father's asking the older son to do is the same. Yes. Is a, yes. Is a turning away from his confidence and a turning away from his assumption that he is actually better than, than the younger son. He wants them to come to the party where sinners are gathered and celebrate. Mm-hmm. It's a two. It's a story of two sons needing to repent. Totally. Yeah. One of them does. Okay. the The other one we don't know. Actually, I mean, it, if we're t- it's pointed at the Pharisees, and so they didn't. Right. I mean, the the story ends with the son still on the outside. He doesn't join the party. He doesn't repent. He doesn't come inside. He refuses. He thinks he's too good to be with those people. So yeah, he doesn't repent. So I mean, I also want to add. That a lot of people, when they hear this story, <clears throat> will end up trying to come to some conclusions about, well, this is what good parenting looks like. I've heard this passage taught that way. Um, y- yes, if your child is repentant, you ought to reflect, certainly reflect the, the fatherhood of God. But what, what ends up happening is that because people <clears throat> don't emphasize the repentant piece, you, you end up laying on the shoulders of parents, this sort of guilt, like if you hold any kind of standard, you're not being the father of the prodigal. So do you understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if your kid is basically doing to you what this son has done to the father, your attitude should be one of just open-handed, whatever, all the time, welcoming home, if even if the child is not repented at all. So I just think that you're taking the passage to mean something that's not intended there. Like there are other passages that are better about parenting than this one. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've heard lots of people like want to make that application and see this as, you know, that they end up putting themselves in the position of God, of the God character here and treating it far more literally, right? It is a parable, but treating it far more literally than actually Jesus intends it to be taken. So he didn't sit down and think, let me, how can I teach people about parenthood? Like there are some principles that you can derive from it, but that's not his intent here. Right, right. And th- this is something that Jesus dealt with often with the Pharisees that frustrated him. Uh, Jeff, you, you've talked about this and you talked about it with regards to even prostitutes. These are people that Jesus would invite into his, 
that, that he would have lunch with, that, you know, that he would share a meal with, that he would spend time with. Yeah, and I think that this passage gives lends credence to the idea that the prostitutes and the tax collectors that he's spending time with and welcoming as friends are actually those who are repentant. And I see, I'm, I'm, I'm making some not leaps there, but I, I I'm suggesting that uh, this story is basically criticizing the Pharisees for their criticism of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And their criticism of Jesus is that you are welcoming tax collectors, sinners. He's welcoming repentant ones. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's searching among right when you take the three stories together, the sheep, the coin, and the sons. He is searching among the lost. Yeah. Right. And he and the father will not let what's his remain lost. He will bring it back. Yeah. So, repentance is is huge part of these stories. I, I wonder if there's. There's ways. Well, that, this, this story, yeah, yeah, the the prodigal son story. Um, I I wonder, are there ways that we think that we understand repentance today in our world that that are misunderstandings or not even right understandings of what repentance actually is? I I think that the chief critique I would have of the uh, of the church these days is that it. Well, no, you can miss it on both sides. One one of the sides is, um, you you say somebody has not repented when they actually have and you demand them to have, you know what I mean? Like you want a harder line for some people, but the flip side is, is true as well. There are, there are, you know, Hey, I'm sorry that you were offended. Uh, Then that's, that counts now for repentance. What's interesting about the story is that the son actually, his speech is really, um, I mean, it's coming from a heart of destitution. So somebody who's, who's really struggled and realizes that the, you know, the ill-gotten ends of his, of his path, right? It just, it's not a good situation for him at all. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that can be challenging with grace, and I think a lot of people in the evangelical circles fear, is that their child will be like the, like the son in that they go, you know, I, just, I wouldn't mind going and living with the pigs for a while. You know, I, I, you know, because I know that God's going to be gracious to me and he's going to welcome me back with open arms. Yeah. And so that, that's the challenge of grace, right, is this idea that, th- that people will abuse it. I think that's the thing that we are constantly fearful of. Yeah. And so repentance is, uh, is not a cheap thing. It's, it's genuine, right? And in some, some cases, the language that surrounds a lot of it. I mean, we deal with families all the time in pastoral ministry. And uh, oftentimes when we come out of meetings in rooms with people, we, we are getting together afterwards and we are having conversations that basically say, you know, I have questions about the heart condition of that person who claims they're repentant here or something to that effect. Uh, because repentance tends to, tends to have a sorrowful edge to it, a genuinely sorrowful, here's what I actually deserve and I'm not going to demand from you something. What we end up finding oftentimes in our meetings, though, with those people is that the repentant person is like, well, yeah, I'm sorry for that, but here's 15 reasons why it is that I was justified in doing it, right? So this boy could be saying, my dad was a jerk and shouldn't, you know, like he, he give all sorts of reasons. You don't have that in this passage. You just have him owning his own, his own stuff. So like if you're listening to this and you have a, a fracture in a relationship with someone, can I just, piece of advice, uh, just just own your stuff, right? Just own your stuff. And there might be all sorts of other reasons, but but when you go to somebody and you want to explain 
do you, do you know what I mean? You want to, you, you want to, uh, restore that relationship to some degree. Don't go in talking about what was done to you or something. Go in, as my father used to say to me with hat in hand and saying, listen, these are the places where I have wronged you. And I'm asking for your forgiveness there. There's another time for the other issues. Okay. Cause there have been other one, you know, you know, you know what I mean? There'll be other issues that come up in those sorts of things. But I, I do think that there should be a, that kind of repentant genuineness, right? That mm-hmm. all the PR people suggest you shouldn't do, which is just crazy. Right. You should do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the idea that if you, if you ask for forgiveness, then you're admitting fault. Well, you are. <laughs> And that's the thing, right? Do you know what I mean? You are yeah. admitting fault right. to some degree. Um, you, you are admitting fault. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there's not other faults to be faulted. Usually what happens in, in relational discord is that you have one, you know, one person wrongs another. Then that other person, because they're a sinner, responds. You know, they go straight nuclear. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then that response becomes the actual issue involved in, in the debate. And then the other person, because the other person went nuclear, goes nuclear. And then it's it, a lot of these discussions end up being kind of tracking back. Well, you did, you did, you did, you did. The truth is, if a genuine repentant person comes and says, listen, these are the things that I genuinely did wrong. I shouldn't have responded to you that way. I shouldn't have started this by saying that. These are the things that I'm, I just want to own those sorts of things. Yeah. You begin to realize that these relationships, the only way to stop that, that you know, that cycle and to see the relationship um, uh, fixed is forgiveness. It, it's going to require that you... Humble yourself, come and seek mm-hmm. forgiveness. Yeah, and yeah. Own, owning your part in it without justifying any kind of yeah. sin on your part. Sin is sin, and but, any justification of it is not is not appropriate. But then the challenge for the person who has been supposedly wronged, right? Um, and I'm saying supposedly not because they didn't weren't wrong, but I'm just saying in our in our illustration here is that the temptation they're going to have is the older brother one at every turn is like, cause the father doesn't say to the child, to the first son, all right, so you're back. eh? okay, well let's recount all the things that you did wrong. Let's, uh, let's go over them and rehash them. And we're going to take an hour each day over the next week. And we're going to recount the seven ways that you have wronged me so that we can make sure that, that you really understand the deep, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's a quickness, there's a quickness and a joy in, in the return that the older brother doesn't have. The older brother's attitude is, no, this isn't unjust. We should actually have the daily you know, rehash. There, we should wait for a long time before we kill the fattened calf. Yeah. So that's what I mean by you can miss it on both sides, right? Um, mm. Well, it's, it's uh, in that culture, you're talking about the honor-shame thing too, right? Yeah. Like the, the younger son has brought a tremendous amount of shame onto this family. And the father, too, even his response, even his giving of what the son demanded was shameful. And so the older brother, right in the beginning of it, you see that, you know, he's kind of left out. And and we don't you don't know why Jesus left him out. But you can kind of you can, as you look at the scene and you think, boy, these two guys are being so shameful. And you think of the proud older brother working out in the field and he's just he's stepping back the way the Pharisees wouldn't going, man, what shame like. I can't believe these. I can't believe I'm related to these guys. Do you guys think that they're supposed to? When you read this passage, you're supposed to kind of identify with both these kids. I was thinking about that this week. Um, we, if, for those of you that don't know, we meet Wednesday afternoons to talk about the sermons. And one of the things that 
I left that discussion thinking about was there are going to be people in this in our congregation that think maybe a little bit like the younger brother and that, that they've come back from that, but maybe also have a heart of right. But now that I've, I've been brought back in, I there's, there's now there's steps to be taken for everybody else. Yeah. I don't think we, we don't naturally um, just align with one of them. No. No, we, we fall on both sides, depending on the topic, depending on the day, depending on the I think whatever. Mo- we I, flip-flop. I think most genuine-hearted Christian people feel the younger son in them, mm-hmm. Me- meaning that I, I see my story as being one, my story as being one where I have run away from God, reached the bottom, come back. And it might not have been for a long time or actually been to a distant country in or Vegas or whatever. Right. It, it might just be in my heart. I have turned away from him and sought my own way mm-hmm. and despised his rules and thought, well, I can do better. I can do better than you. Than you. I can do better with the stuff that, that I have than, you, than, than I can do it by obeying your rules. Mm-hmm. And they take what they've been given by God and they shoot off and do their own thing. And I think all of us feel that in, our, in ourselves, genuinely feel that kind of like, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, I was surprised even whenever I've preached this sort of message before, and certainly in this text, which I, I adore this text, I can feel when I get to the older brother discussion, there is a silence in the room that is palpable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because I think if you really push it, as I tried to in my sermon by saying, look, you know, you're the older brother when you say basically have the same attitude that he has, which is this is unjust and God has broken the rules. Good begets good. If you do good things, you get good things. I think every Christian I know of at some point or another, when their prayer has gone unanswered or they got a bad circumstance in their life has responded by saying, after all I've done, you, this is what you, this is what you do for me. I, I call it Christian karma. Right. That we tend to think, which is a religious response, and we think that the way it works is uh, we're, we do good things and thus hit the ball into God's side of the court. And God will do good things. And then he is obligated to hit the ball back. The problem that the Pharisees had and the problem that we have is this. The ball is always in our court, right? right. The, the, the grace of God has – we haven't initiated anything with God by our good works. The God has like we are obligated to God in response to his grace at every turn. We sometimes respond by saying, oh, I, that's why we, we end up thinking, oh, I can earn God's good. No, you can't. Of course you can't. You can never earn his, his uh, love or acceptance. Don't you think it's given. that there's an aspect of the story, too? Because I'm thinking about the Pharisees that are hearing this and how they're interacting with it and, and what characters are they going to identify with and what's going to be outlandish to them. They get it. Like right. They, they, like, there's a reason they wanted to kill him. Right. right. But I, I get this idea, too. You know, the, the, the Pharisees had an understanding of this Old Testament God that that is, you know, that has this hesed for them, right? This loving kindness. And, they, and they've heard of these stories, you know, of prophets <coughs> that will talk about God's loving kindness and even show that loving kindness um, or try to teach it in different ways. But I think that there's an aspect of people, not just the Pharisees, but people in general, that we have a difficult time accepting that kind of God. You know, when you're on the one son that squandered your wealth and you're coming back, that's the kind of God that, that you want, right, is that God of mercy. 
But then there's this aspect of you that goes, no, 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 I want a God of justice. Yeah, you want The answer is you want both, and yeah. you find that in the cross. Mm-hmm. You find that in Christ. That ultimately, it's where you know God's mercy and justice meet is at the, is at the cross. And you, I, I get in this story, you can just see this being hashed out in these Pharisees trying to understand that God is both. He's both merciful and He is also just. Yeah, my my big point, and I, you know, if I had more time to to dwell, I mean, I spent the bulk of my time uh, talking about the younger son, mostly because the full chapter of Luke fifteen talks about lost things that are found. So I felt an obligation to talk about that aspect, which is the emphasis there. But it, mm-hmm. it ends with a stick. And the, st- the stick is, you know, these, these Pharisees being put in the position that, the, that this older brother was. And I, I just can't help but think that that, that tends to be our default. Um, my question for you guys is, if our default is that we tend to think um, good begets good and that there's a religious kind of way of, of interacting with God. And that kind of action ends you outside the house, alienated from God in the same way that the younger son was alienated by running away. Like, what do you tell people? How do I fix that? Do you understand? Like how, how, what, what advice are you giving to the older son? Repent. <laughs> but what does that, what does that look like? To repent of our self-righteousness? Sure. Well, to repent of self-righteousness would be to start uh, loving others, loving your brothers who are sinful, loving, looking at those who you think have sinned so outwardly against you where you are morally right, but recognizing that your own heart is, is full of self-righteous pride and sin that way. See, I think that the approach that, that I agree with you, I think that you, you need to start by recognizing that that you, you have tried to do the same thing the younger brother has, mm-hmm. but just use different means. You, you right. want the father's stuff. You think you yeah. can get it by obeying, and that's why you get mad when he doesn't give it. I th- that, that, that a confession of that and recognizing that is not how it works, and that, I, that this, I, I, am, I buy into a quid pro quo kind of animist uh, religious approach to God at all points. And unless you understand that you can be religiously alienated from God, I don't think you're ever going to start turning away from it. Because the truth is every, everybody is outside the house with God, right? right? At some, at, at some we, we, we don't want God, we want what he's going to give us. What we really should want is God. I could, I could yeah. only imagine the disciples behind Jesus, you know, kind of cheering Jesus on in this story, knowing that it's directed at these Pharisees. And then here the disciples watch as Jesus is crucified and they all flee him. And there's got to be this point in which they realize that, no, 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 I, I'm finding myself in the very same spot as the Pharisees that Jesus was rebuking. That, that here you've got these disciples that uh, are realizing what what they have received in Christ and their hesitancy to share that that grace and that love with with uh, non-Jews for example this story is actually very similar to the to Jonah like if you think about it it ends very similarly too they kind of left kind of open the uh, like what in the air. what's going on with this older brother, how does he respond? If you go to the end of Jonah, it, the, the last words to Jonah are from God, and they're kind of a clear question. And you don't know how Jonah responds. Hmm. And then you're sort of left out in the open. And it's, the rhetorical effects 
similar. Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you going to do? It's very similar. This, this is a consistent theme in the scriptures. Uh, you get this. I mean, we went through Romans one to three. This is, this is the turn from Romans one to two mm-hmm. that this passage kind of talks about. Like Romans one, yeah. you're, you know, all those Gentiles, really wicked sinners. Look at all the horrible things they're doing. We're talking about irreligious unbelief there. Then you get to Romans two, Paul's like, oh yeah, but what about you guys? You do the same thing, right? You just hide it better. Yeah. Um, and so, it's again, uh, it this this theme runs through most of Scripture. It's not why Tim Keller has said this is the heart of the gospel. He wrote his little book called The Prodigal God, which I so mm-hmm. recommend. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, In to, my opinion, it's Keller's best book. Yeah, it's one of his earliest ones, but he just it it really he takes each phrase and each little part of this passage and really but, presses it on people. But Jeff, you were pushing that idea this whole you know good begets good and and bad begets bad kind of thing. But then there's this aspect, right, of being a Christian where you do lots of good stuff and bad stuff happens. Yeah. Right. And how, how do you, how do you, you know, so the, the religious, Christ in the midst well, the of religious approach, when I say religious approach, I'm using it in a pejorative way. Right. So the, 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 when I say religious, I'm saying that the way the world religions work is that if you do good things to God or, or the gods, they, they will then repay you with, with good. Um, that that is not that's repudiated in scripture right we are not saved by works mm-hmm. but but by grace through faith but we still do works okay we're not by saved by works but we're saved by grace through faith unto works and so the our works then become a response to the grace that's been shown us so so we work hard on the farm to use the image of the if we were going to carry it through mm-hmm. we're going to work hard on the farm and we're not going to run away from our father not because we are trying to get a young goat so we can celebrate with our friends, but because the Father has graciously given us all that we could ever want or imagine. Because the Father's good. And we're going to trust that his love for us is going to show up in a lot of different ways, sometimes in ways that we don't expect, meaning that sometimes his love shows up when he chooses not to intervene uh, in some hard things that are happening in our life. When I say choose not to intervene, like he allows us to have, go through difficult circumstances and he allows us to be touched by the sin of the world. But we have a promise that he's always going to be working those things out for our good, that he is always committed to our good at every turn. What frustrates me about my own heart is that I say, God, you, why, why won't you do this for me since I've worked so hard for you? The response should be, you have proven to me, God, that you have loved me. At every turn, you gave me your son. You have shown me grace upon grace upon grace. And so even in this one moment that I don't understand what's going on and I'm frustrated because you haven't answered this prayer or you've given this bad circumstance, I know what's fundamentally true about you is that you seek my good. And so I will I will push pause on my critique of you in the present moment and I will wait to see. And maybe I'll never know in this life, but ultimately there will be a time, maybe I will see it in eternity. But ultimately, I still have God. Even if I have a hard circumstance or even if my prayer is not answered, I still have God. And he's the treasure. And don't you see that in the, yeah. the life of the disciples? Right. Mm-hmm. In the midst of their, their struggles and the, and the challenges that they face after the cross, uh, they keep following him. Why? Because they know he's good. Uh, they have nowhere else to go, as, as they talk about. Like, it's in you that I, that, that I have life, eternal life. And knowing that, that, uh, that their life um, is... is in his hands that he he has it under control yeah 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 so i guess coming back to the the self-righteous brother 
I think the, the biggest thing is, is trying to help people understand who they are, right? Ultimately, and how God sees them. Yeah, it's just, it's a danger. Is What I'm saying is that you can miss, you can miss grace on two sides. Totally. Like you can miss grace irreligiously, mm-hmm. right? By just basically punching God in the face. Or you can miss it religiously yeah. by being really good people and thinking it, by showing up to church all the time that you're going to somehow get, you know, extra credit or some sort of gold star in heaven. Oh, God's going to say, there, wow, look at all the stuff you've done. I'm so impressed. Right. And I'm saying both in both cases, you're actually in danger of not, you're not actually a Christian yeah. hmm. because Christianity is about grace through and through. And those people who are really touched by that, when they see other rotten sinners come, no matter where they came from or background, we join the party. We throw the party mm-hmm. because yeah. we're so thrilled to yeah. see, to see the hooker come to faith yeah. or to see the, the homosexual offender come to faith or to see the, I mean, the drug, to, addict. the drug addict come to faith or to see, you know, like, yeah, all sorts of things. Self-righteous sinner uh-huh. come to faith. Mm-hmm. The challenge is that there's so many people who are religious, religiously alienated from God. They they tend to be our neighbors because they they that's how it works for them. That's their fundamental approach. Even if they don't go to church, is look, I'm there's a God, sure, and I'm going to do good stuff because mm-hmm. He's there. I'm good enough. But ultimately, but yeah. they're also mad at Him, quietly mad because mm-hmm. their lives didn't turn out. Yeah. So, what does it look like to minister to our neighbors if that's their their attitude? Tell them the story, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that this story is in the Bible is really helpful to people because that's one of the questions. Isn't, so it, you, isn't it just helpful? Like, this is how I because we're starting a new series, so I kind of did a series intro at the beginning, just talking about the amazing fact that God knows us so good that He knows that that we don't just need facts, we don't just need proverbs. Uh, we don't just need rules, right? We don't just need the Ten Commandments. We need stories to relate to. He knows how to relate to us. He knows what kind of things draw us in and capture our hearts, capture our our imaginations. And then he tells us these stories. So you get parables, right? This whole series about the parables of Jesus. And you've got Jesus sharing stories, these short little parables, which are really intriguing stories that suck us in and make us really think and go, oh man, there's a point to this and that point really affects my life. And it's both fictional and non-fictional, right? You've got Jesus who walked with people, right? He lived this out and then he's teaching it at the same time. You're getting both happening. You're getting the teaching and the living. He's drawing from examples that they would have been well acquainted with. We should probably add too, though, um, that the the parables of Jesus, I mean, we're talking about uh, the, the parables of Jesus in one way, but the parables of Jesus actually were intended to hide things from the disciples or to hide the things right. from I mean, people. Um, Luke and, 14, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, so this is, I mean, this is a major portion of it, that there's a reason that Jesus tells the stories is because they they have a kick to them. They're understandable, but the people who... The people who receive the truth in them are, it's a sign of true belief. Yeah. The last, the last words of chapter 14 are, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Yeah. And that's what Jesus, I mean, he actually gets quite explicit at places. I tell, I tell parables to, to people. I think Luke 8, I think goes into that. And I tell parables so that they won't, so seeing they won't see, quotes Isaiah. Don't you think there's also an aspect of it where after the cross, there's things that he's taught them that are going to make more sense, obviously, than they did at the time that they were taught. Yeah. And you have to remember that most of all these scriptures are written from the cross. And so the authors who are writing them, sorry, written from after the cross, the guys like Matthew, 
and Luke are writing them with an understanding. And that's why the, the artistry of it is pretty great. They're, they're, they are embedding in their story, uh, you know, signals to the cross or things that were important. You, you, I hope that makes sense. Sometimes we read the passage when we read the gospels, we end up saying, well, these people at this time didn't actually know about Jesus or didn't know he was going right. to die on the cross and stuff. Well, yeah. y- yes, <clears throat> but the author who wrote about it did. And so it, it's right for you to read some, some hints that the author's putting there mm-hmm. in advance of actually getting to the cross. Do you understand? Yeah, it's important yeah. to think about the author's intent, but also the, the original audience the author's even writing to and how they would have heard it. Yeah. So like when you're reading the Pentateuch, right, you're thinking about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness as Moses writes this to them. So you don't necessarily think about the Israelites in the situation, right? Like That, that they're currently in in the stories. Yeah, but what <laughs> yeah. They're, how, when he wrote it, which was after all those things, and what the situation that they were in at that point. Yeah. And that all of a sudden opens up the meaning of it. You're like, whoa, there's, there's, way, there's more ways to apply this than we originally, than you see up front. Yeah. No, thanks for that uh, wonderful discussion about the prodigal son. There's way more to be said than we can ever cover in a podcast like this. So like Jeff recommended, uh, Prodigal God is a fantastic resource to do some more study on this. As we a little close, book, just a little book. Seriously. It is. It's you can read it in, in like a day. If you're a fast reader, you can read it in a day, yeah. less than a day. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Get it get it for the summer. This is a good summer reading, it Prodigal is. God. You could go and sit down by the pool somewhere or the beach on a camping trip and you blow through that baby. Yep. Great stuff. So as as we close up, I just wanna maybe get some feedback. What are maybe some of the your favorite questions that we've addressed here on the extra podcast over the last three hundred episodes and looking forward to the the next however many episodes God blesses us with. I have loved discussing the value of mustard. Hey. I find mustard to be ridiculous and nonsensical. And then we get a bunch of people writing in saying stuff. Oh, I like mustard. I like mustard. As if that proves anything. You psychotic people. No, those are just anecdotal oh, stories. They're just nuts. You mustard know what? The majority useless. of people hate it. My, my favorite would definitely be majority, but you go to New York, order it's a, not a, a hot dog on the should stand. Be regularly out. It's almost only mustard people put on it. Yeah. Well, that listen. Well, that's because they're from New York. Are we going to use New Yorkers as a standard for anything? We are we still talking about mustard? Yeah, we're still talking about mustard. Well, if we're going to do that, I'm going to throw cilantro in with that. Mustard and cilantro, not in heaven, period. I'll tell you that right now. Cilantro of any weeds, weeds, weeds. Really? probably not of any kind. Actually, not together. Yeah, especially not Ooh, together. Wouldn't that be horrible? That'd uh, be almost a double down. Well, my my favorite conversations on this these podcast has been Jeff's disdain for facial hair. That has made for many a great episode for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only one of us in the room right now. That John, Andy, and I all come uh, on Jeff's the, side on the, this one. The facial hair, but I got Paul's <laughs> Paul Siemens mm. holding strong. Yeah. You know what? Decided wow, that, that was that was deep. That was almost Marvin Gayish of you. Grizzly Marvin Grizzly Gaye. Siemens over Marvin here. Marvin Gaye is a high voice. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Oh my, my bad. You think him very very white. Do you remember That's when right. I first hey. came? I had a soul patch. What? You did? Yeah. Andy, you did have a soul patch when you first came. Mm. And now, why is it called a soul patch? It's like because you have extra soul. We've beaten it out of you. Lip hugger. <laughs> it's, it's a little, flavor saver. It's like actual, a it's a flavor saver. I can't grow any of those All right, well, this has been fun. It has been a good time. Andy, flavor save. Until next week, have a good week, everybody. Mm